Okay, this is Teachers by Day, the podcast by teachers where we talk about life and all its craziness outside the classroom, offering our unique perspective. Welcome back, guys. This is episode eight. Uh, For those that are new to the podcast, my name is Lance. I need to introduce you to my partner, Jeff, because it has been two weeks since we've been on. So, Jeff, I'm just going to dive right into this one because the the topic that we're talking about today is somewhat more serious than what we've talked about in the past. So I really want to nerd out with you in the beginning here. Mm. So this last week, it's been revealed that Hugh Jackman is going to be coming back to be in Daredevil 3. And I need to know your thoughts. So when I first saw that the Deadpool 3 trailer was dropping, um, I think just knowing the inherent way that they've marketed these movies, which I love, I was like, well, this is probably a joke of some sort, right? Like we probably don't have footage at all. And not only was it not a joke, but I don't think there could have been anything without actual footage of the film that could have ever exceeded my expectations the way it was. I will say the one thing I was like trying to surprise like my wife and other people by showing it to them. And I was just getting upset because it's in the title of the YouTube video, kind of what the big reveal is. And I was like, no, that would have been like really cool to drop at the end. But I don't think I could possibly be as excited for an hour and 50 minute film that's over two years away than I am with this. It was incredibly well put together and really like all the teas that they needed to have me super excited. I agree. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and I forwarded it to you immediately because I knew that you were also going to enjoy it. But as much as we talk about the Marvel movies and how much we love them, those two, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds, I feel like epitomize their character more than anyone else. Like I can't imagine them being played by anyone besides those two people. No. And speculation has been circulating that since they've been dropping all these X-Men 97 things that we're going to get to see the yellow and blue suit. Oh, please. So, by the way, is because I don't know if I don't know if it was in the first trailer or the second one, but they the tagline is coming hewn. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they're marketing the movie, which I don't I feel like Ryan Reynolds just does the marketing on this because it just feels so on brand with him. But I also don't want to discredit the people that actually like work behind the scenes, but I don't know what's better, the actual Deadpool movies or the way that they advertise for them? I think, uh, at least with, in my opinion, Deadpool 2, they advertised it better than the actual movie was. Deadpool, the original, I loved, but the second one, yeah, well, hit or miss for me. So I'll read it at the end of the podcast just for a little tease, but I don't know, have you ever read the fake plot synopsis for Deadpool 2? No. Okay, I'll read it for you at the end, but Basically, it's ridiculous, and if you were to let go and uh, like rent the movie now digitally, it's still the plot synopsis that sticks with the movie, and it has nothing to do with the actual plot, <laughs> like in the slightest. So very on brand. Yes, it is very Perfect. I love it. Okay, I just wanted to have that little nerd out with you because I know that you're as excited for that as I am. So Yes, definitely. All right, guys. So the uh, lesson plan for today, what we're looking at, uh, we were feeling a little nostalgic and talking about some, you know, how we used to be and how much we've grown over the last few years. And we decided that this one was going to be dedicated to advice or things that I would tell my past self. Okay, so we're thinking back to if I was looking at teenage Lance or teenage Jeff, what would we tell them now that we are seasoned into our 30s? And know a little bit more about life. I mean, nobody knows more about life than a 12-year-old kid until that 12-year-old kid (laughs) becomes an adult, right? Right. So uh, we've each compiled five uh, pieces of advice that we would give to our younger selves. So I will defer to you, Jeff. 
Uh, I did see this one. I think if it, you're going to go with the one that I think it is, I saw this one on your list and immediately knew the reference of what you were making. So, yeah. First off, I think I just want to add on to what you said. 12 year old me, or I guess probably worse at like 13 or 14. I look back at that person and I'm like, you just sucked. I mean, <laughs> I was very, I don't know why, but and maybe I'm like, romanticizing it or making it seem worse in retrospect than it was but I feel like I was incredibly arrogant for someone with so such little things that I was proficient at if that makes sense like I wasn't like a great athlete I wasn't like super popular I definitely wasn't like really smart but I definitely thought I was above average at all those things yeah I can I can agree with that because I I was in the, the same boat I was never the star athlete I was you know, I had my good share of friends, but I was never particularly awesome at anything. But you couldn't right. tell me anything that I didn't already know. And, dude, I thought I was hilarious. I mean, you probably were. I'm going <laughs> to give you that. I'm going to give you that one. Thank you. But my poor teachers like this guy again with the jokes. Um, so my first bit of advice and Lance, looking at your list, I think some of these like there is definitely some if we were to do a Venn diagram of some of these, there's a, definitely a little bit of overlap. But I'm sure we have at least some sort of anecdote that makes them unique to us. But mm -hmm. There is a quote that may be one of my favorite quotes of all time that Andy Bernard has in, is it when Michael Scott leaves in the office or is it in the finale? It's in the finale. It is. Yes. Okay. Season nine. So, and it's for, I, I'm going to paraphrase, but I think I'm going to get it correct. He says, I wish there was a way of knowing you were in the good old days before you actually left them. And essentially like, and I think I'll reiterate this in some of my other ones, but knowing, uh, like at the time of my life, my formative years, like the time that I got to spend with my friends and how fleeting those moments are. I don't want to say I took them for granted necessarily, but there definitely was a level of like me not soaking up uh, my youth and some of the very strong relationships that I had with my friends where, you know, as we become adults, you move away from people. Uh, things happen in your life where you just sort of drift apart. And the good old days, quote unquote, even I'm like thinking of like my first job, uh, right out of college. I think I wish I would have appreciated that time in my life a little bit more because as we always hear in song and, and, you know, other mainstream media, like youth is kind of wasted on the young and you don't really appreciate those times when you're in them. So I wish I would have just sort of, uh, stopped to smell the roses as Ferris Bueller says, um, back in my youth a little bit more, or like my early post-college years. Yeah. I would even go back further than that. I definitely try to tell my kids enjoy high school because those are some of the best years of your life. Um, I remember, you know, thinking when I was in high school, I can't wait to grow up. I can't wait to go, go to college. I can't wait to be an adult. But really looking back on it now, those years in high school with very little responsibility, I was just always around my friends. We were always hanging out. And to the point you just made, you have youth on your side then. I was getting, you know, we'd crash on the weekends for two hours and get up and go right at it again. Oh, with no qualms. Now, if I got two hours of sleep, I'd be a... My uh, month is ruined. Yes. Right. I'd be a, a zombie for the next uh, few days. So, yeah. Totally I agree. agree with you. What's your number one? Or I guess your first one. Uh, yeah, so my first one. So this yeah. one, you know, I, I got some quotes in here from some shows, too. So Office is obviously my number one. But my number two show of all time is Boy Meets World. And nobody gives more sound advice than Mr. Feeney. No, we're uh, doing a rewatch right now, the wife and I, and not only does it hold up, I think it's like gotten better. over I, time. I agree. Okay. So before I get into the quote, but yes, going back and watching season one and two as a parent now completely changes the whole dynamic of the show for me. 
yeah, that's <laughs> I, I can only imagine like once you have that perspective. And I never watched Girl Meets World, but even if the quality is significantly less, I think the the themes might even resonate more with you because if you look at it through the eyes of Corey, he would obviously be in your position then as a parent. Girl Meets World is you would actually enjoy it because of the nostalgia. Did it go they one or two seasons? Three. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It went three full seasons and it's got its fair share of nostalgic moments that are, that make it worth watching. I'll be honest. I'm so. definitely going to check it out, especially having heard that a lot of the, right, maybe all of the OG cast members return at some point. They do. In some capacity. They do. And they pop in and you're like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> but no, the, the quote is, if you let people's perception of you dictate your behavior, you will never grow as a person. Wow. And I, I tie this one in with being more confident and stop caring what people think of you, uh, which is really easy to say now at my age. But when you're in middle school and high school, you are so concerned with. Oh, being, it's impossible. Yeah. You're so concerned with what everyone thinks of you and being popular and being cool and whatever. And I was so much thinking back on it. So much of my time was wasted trying to get people that aren't even relevant in my life anymore to appreciate me and like me. Yeah. Like, why did we care? I don't, I don't know. It's, I guess it's some innate thing when you're younger that you just want to be liked or anything like that. But looking back on it now, I honestly, I could not care less what most people think of me. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of growing up and realizing, wow, but if I would have had that when I was younger, I just think about all the things I could have accomplished or what more I could have done if I was actually confident enough in myself to do those things. Yeah, and that's a great message, especially us as teachers, that I try to usher on to my students. But I do I, – I tell them with the caveat of like, look, but I get it because this time of your life, like – other people's perception of you seems to be the most important thing in the world. And you're sometimes you just, that, that's why I feel like you as teachers, uh, you and I as teachers sort of on the little bit of the younger end to some of the other, you know, teachers you and I had in our lives. I'm like, look, I'm giving you this perspective and I'm not, you know, 90 years removed from middle school. Like I'm telling you, <laughs> right. To listen to me. <laughs> Maybe it resonates a little bit more with them from us than others, but yeah, we can only try. <laughs> yep. Best we can do. All right. So speaking of that one, you have number two, that kind of piggybacks off of it. Yeah. So number two, I wrote, take school more seriously. And this is sort of twofold for me. So my uh, high school, I didn't really get involved socially, meaning like student council and like actually participating in like things at my school. I was like the kid that was like too cool really to care about anything. Um, which makes me sound so lame, but it's very accurate, but I didn't really get like involved socially until like my middle of my junior year. And I couldn't help but think like, I feel like I kind of wasted like two and a half years of high school by not like being more involved and, and like caring more about like get, uh, you know, going to like school events and things like that. But specifically in college, I needed to take school more seriously because I mean, I look at my GPA now and it's not like horrendous, but I'm like, dude, so much of this was just you like giving the bare minimum. <laughs> like what, I remember there would be like papers due in college and I would just not do any research or anything and just pull an all nighter the night before and get like a C plus or something. And I'm like, wow, if you actually applied yourself, like not, I don't need to like burn the midnight oil every night, but even just like a little bit more, I probably could have been like a almost a average student, which spoiler alert, I was not in college. Um, and had to retake a couple classes because I didn't pass them the first time or I had to drop. <laughs> so even financially, it kind of hurt me. So 
take school more seriously. Again, I knew I was never going to be like a doctor or like a nuclear physicist, but like, <laughs> come on, Jeff, like, <laughs> let's give a little bit more effort, especially in higher education. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, during high school, high school was pretty easy for me. Um, I didn't struggle at all with it. And I went to college and I was super motivated to get into college. And I was like, I'm going to graduate with a 4.0. I'm going to have them summa cum laude me across the stage. And then I got humbled right away. Like yeah. that, that freshman year really slapped me in the face. And like you, I probably could have put a lot more effort into it. But unfortunately, I didn't. The GPA slipped away from me. And again, mine's not bad either. But do I think that I could have done better? Absolutely. Yeah. If I would have and, taken it more seriously. And I think to the point, there are some things you have to just kind of learn the hard way. Like first semester of my freshman year, there's no mom or dad telling you to get out of bed and go to that 8.30 a.m. class. So how many times would I just hit the alarm and mm-hmm. not go <laughs> or be like, I have a friend in that class. I'll just get the notes from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a sustainable uh, formula for success. Speaking on that, why is it when we were in middle school and high school, you can show up at school at 7.15 in the morning and it's not an issue, but you take an 8 a.m. class in college and it's like you're working up for the graveyard shift. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically <laughs> like uh, you're nocturnal at that point, even though 8 a.m. now we're like, dude, that'd be, be sleeping in. Oh, no kidding. I arrive at the building at, what, 7.30 now? Yeah, because we're lucky as guys. Like my college uh, class prep was roll out of bed, brush teeth, put hat on. That's basically it. It's all I do now. <laughs> yeah, Lance, we've been meaning to talk to you about the dress code. We do have a guy on campus now that wears a hat every day. I'm a little confused. But. Huh. We'll talk that off, pod. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lance, what's your second one? All right, so I got another quote here. This one's from, I'm going to tie it back to the office like you, Jeff. Uh, this one is a Dwight K. Schrute original. Oh. And it's, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if he would do that, I do not do that thing. <laughs> Youth is spent to make mistakes and try things. But if you know in your heart of hearts that what you're doing is just ridiculously dumb, maybe don't do that thing. I feel like there's countless times when I was 18 and under that I either, yeah, I either got caught doing something or didn't get caught doing something that I should have got caught doing yeah. and ended up getting away with it when they were pretty dumb things. I mean, I think about like the barometer for, maybe you can relate to this. The barometer for me for like, will I do this thing? Literally just came down to in a lot of instances, I don't know, will it make my friend laugh at all? Because if so, regardless of what it is, (laughs) I think I might just do it. Yeah, I was definitely that person that was willing (laughs) to do whatever I could to get a good laugh out of things. If that involved eating something, drinking something, whatever, I was that person. That was 100% going to do that. Sadly me. (laughs) But, you know, you learn from your youth and then you grow up and one day hopefully you don't do those idiotic things anymore. So you're not 50 years old one day still doing those dumb, dumb things. Right. Uh, Speaking of that, don't ever put a frozen microwave burrito in a blender with ice and water because it does not make a delicious smoothie. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Was it probably destroy? I can I can smell the smoke from the blender, unable to carve up the burrito <laughs> right now. Did I get a good laugh out of people though? It did. Yeah, it did. You were you were probably a legend for like a week at school. You know, you do what you can. <laughs> All right, Jeff, number three. So this is one I'm like almost ashamed to say how long it took this to actually become 
a part of my life. But I wrote take care of yourself physically and mentally. We all had that period in our life. You and I talk about this all the time where when you're like prepubescent or like early to really kind of through high school, your our metabolisms essentially just make us garbage disposals. Like we can eat whatever we want without really any consequence or uh, like feeling the physical effects of it. Like when we talk about how many like surges we would drink or like, I don't know, some of the snacks we would devour, like how many Cool Ranch Doritos bags do we eat in a given week or something? <laughs> it's, it makes my stomach hurt right now. But I really didn't start like regularly exercising outside of like what was required for my sport or like actually taking note and consciously thinking about like what I'm eating or putting into my body until I was probably like in my mid twenties. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, I, I hope that I've made the change early enough to where like it's helped give me a little bit of longevity in my health. Not that I ever had like any sort of health scare, but like it's kind of gross to me now, like how long it took me to actually care about my physical and mental well-being in that regard. <laughs> like I can remember being fresh out of college, working at my first job and just thinking about some of my trips to the grocery store, like how idiotic I would be with the things I would purchase or just maybe not even that, just like zero thought went into it. Like, what am I putting into my body? I'm 23 years old. Like, should I be buying hot dogs and frozen pizzas? Probably not. Like maybe let's get vegetables and some let's substitute ground beef with turkey every once in a while, you slob. Yep. Uh, do you know how many times in my youth that I would drink a six pack of Mountain Dew in one night? Probably like every sleepover because I would right. pretty much do the same. <laughs> While eating Doritos, which is and also what's really good is if you put a pickle on the Dorito, it's good. Oh, okay. It's good. But I would, eat, I would eat like a whole bag like that while drinking Mountain Dew while playing online video games. Yes. So And probably and then, ordered pizza earlier yeah. in the night. Yeah. And then obviously like freshman year of college, I was still in this boat because I, I like you probably didn't start taking myself seriously until I was in my mid-20s. And freshman year of college, you had a you had to eat on campus. They yes. had the food pass, but you had unlimited I know. times that you could eat. And my God, we would model our day looking at the the freaking, uh, all right, this hall is going to have the chicken finger sandwich at five o'clock. We got to be there for them, but then we're going to go here for dessert. We would map our days around it. And I'd be like, oh, you have, I can get four ice cream sandwiches in one sitting. <laughs> God, <laughs> it's, it's insane. And also just like how uneducated I was about, um, like what I was eating, like I used to think pasta was healthy, even if I just doused it in like Alfredo sauce. You're like, yeah, this is good. It's right. It's like, what is wrong with me? Carbo and for those of you who don't know at home, I don't know, Lance, I don't know if you brought this up, but Lance actually has competed very, very recently in bodybuilding competitions. So uh, in terms of his diet, like it's obviously a huge focal point of of everything you do in your life. And for me, it, like I'm not as good about it as you are, but I do think that uh, I at least now when I go grocery shopping, like. I know what I can and can't do to my body in a lot of ways I've learned the hard way, but it's absolutely gross to think about what I would like a week of meals, even like at like 22 or 23, it hurt. It's like a horror movie running yeah. that through in my mind. What a stark contrast for me over the last 10 years of what I used to eat to now I'm weighing out how much white rice I eat in one <laughs> sitting and <laughs> measuring my oatmeal scoops. <laughs> yeah. God, we've come a long way. Hey, I'm not mad about the progress. All we can do is get better and keep going that way. But I, I'm like you were, I want to feel as good as I do now going forward. So mm -hmm. taking care of myself mentally and physically, major key. Yeah.
Well, I think I've told you, like, I understand, like, I can still luckily do a lot of the things physically that I could as a kid. Like, it's just the day after the recovery period that gets more frustrating now, but I'm okay with that. Like, that's a just a, a fact of getting older, but the health stuff that I can control, I need to, I've realized that, okay, that needs to be a priority for me. Speaking of that, I want to piggyback because I told you a couple weeks ago that I've started running again, but oh my God, the shin splints are Dude, egregious. My shins and my calves. It's like I'm made of like frail wood now. It's ridiculous. What kind of uh, running shoes do you have or do you use? Uh, so I bought like these Nikes, but I, I think I run weird because every pair of shoes I have, I wear like a hole in the back of the heel within like three weeks and I get like blisters. So either my foot's messed up or Nike needs to figure it out. I don't know who's at fault, the billion dollar corporation or me. Okay. Cause I, I have some Nikes that I've been running in and I hate them. Oh my God. It feels like I'm, I mean, I am running on concrete, but it feels like I'm running and there's just spikes going, <laughs> spikes going into my shins every step I yes, take. It's the worst. So if Nike was anyone at Nike was listening, thinking about sponsoring this podcast, we don't want your money. It's blood money to us. I've heard, uh, Brooks makes really good running shoes, but God, they look God awful. This is like the oldest, I mean, we're about to start <laughs> talking about Metamucil after this, but, uh, I think like insoles might be what I need to start doing. Maybe that's part of the problem. They have that Dr. Scholl's thing where you test your, you put your foot down and it tells you what you need, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It gives you a number. God, we're 97 years old. I'm a 540. I'm going to tuck these bad boys in. Anyone here that like wasn't alive during the Dust Bowl just stopped listening to the podcast. <laughs> All right, Lance, what's your third one? All right, third one. I'm not pulling a quote on this one. This one's just straight up travel more. Travel more. Um, so growing up, my, that wasn't a... Top priority for my parents, we would travel, but we would travel within the state. Um, I had not personally been on an airplane until I was 18 years old, um, so I had never really went anywhere significantly, and I would have loved to have done that more. So any money that you can save up while you're first starting out getting a job and you want to like take some time off and travel when you're in college or as soon as you get out of college – do it. Learn the world, see different cultures, have different experiences, try different food. I mean, anything like that. That for now in my life, you know, it's I've settled down obviously with a daughter now, but that was my wife and I's favorite thing to do was to find new places we could travel to and we would just go. Yes. And I think that that has taught me more about the world than maybe my years in public school ever did. Yeah, I think <clears throat> getting older i start to realize that like the memories of like trips that you take are the things that really stick with you because like when i think back to like some of my most fun or most impactful moments over the past few years like it's obviously who i'm with but like where are we and we have some couples friends of ours that are big into traveling too they're actually going to germany uh tomorrow um a trip that they had to push back a few years because of COVID, but I'm totally with you. Like that's the stuff to do while you can, because one day we might not be able to take that international flight, you know, on the weekend, it might be a little bit harder for us. And you're going to want to say that you at least tried to go see every place that you were interested in seeing. Cause that's the one thing you just can't, there's nothing that replicates that, like an experience of going to a new country or a new place that you've never been before. Like there's, there's no like uh, analogous experience you can have to seeing a place you've never seen. Yeah. And likewise, we were supposed to go to Italy before, you know, COVID hit. So that's still on my bucket list. There's several places that I, I want to go. I still want to go to one of the places where it has the glass floor and I can look down and see the ocean beneath me. 
that's so cool on my bucket list somewhere but uh travel that's the best yeah gotta do it all right jeff number what four yeah so i won't talk much about this one because i kind of said it off the top but like if i could sit down with high school jeff i would just say listen buddy you're not as funny as you think you are and just maybe don't always feel like you have to be talking mainly because when i think back to like i was fortunate enough to have a great group of friends growing up but there's a lot of experiences where it's like my dad always said to me like you never really learn anything with your mouth open like you don't have to be the center of attention all the time and I worry sometimes that maybe I was or thought that I had to be and it may, you know we always kind of like cringe and look at ourselves in high school so I'm sure everyone has some relatable uh, aspect of their personality as a 16 17 maybe even 18 year old, but they're like, ugh, I wish I was not like that. But that was the thing for me. I just felt like maybe it wasn't as obnoxious to other people as I see it now. But I was like, dude, you just thought you always had to have a quip or a little joke about everything. Like, just stop, dude, relax. <laughs> you know, like you don't have to be the, the highlight of the of every room you walk into. So I, I just wish I would have known that uh, you don't have to be the center of attention everywhere you go. You don't have to be the class clown. Yeah. And the maturation between those time periods and now is so such a big spread between the two of them. Like looking back on it, I was the same way. I had, to, I had to try to be the center of attention. I had to try to make people laugh, but a lot of times it came at the expense of me being ridiculously immature. Yeah. To same. the point where I, I look back on it and I'm like, God, I'm so ashamed of that. <laughs> Maybe that's the worst part, right? Is like some of the things we would do to try and, and again, a lot of it is like, this is not justifying it, but like, you know, what other people think about you matters so much at that age that I was like, dude, you would just say and do really stupid crap that you did not need to do. Or like adult, you would just do the Picard face palm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, stop, dude. Yeah. Please don't ever let me have the technology to go back in my brain and see myself in those time periods ever again, because I don't want that. Well, also tying into that, aren't you really glad that social media was not as pervasive as it is now when we were kids. I mean, think about the stupid crap that we would have tweeted or. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is there's so much flack about today's kids and social media. I don't know if you've seen the, the NyQuil chicken thing that's been going around. No. Okay. So there's a a thing on TikTok where they're challenging kids to cook chicken in NyQuil and eat it. Yeah. And then there's like, obviously like the Tide Pods and, and everyone's like, Oh my God, what's wrong with these kids? Uh, they have an access to an audience that's around the world and our generation would have done the same stupid shit if we would have had the opportunity to. <laughs> oh yeah. This like dopamine dump of like instant gratification via likes. We've all seen what it does to people on the internet. They act surprised, but they, they shouldn't be surprised. Right. The Tide Pods thing was when I was like, okay, well now when they were, people were making like Tide Pod pizzas, I was like, we have reached our uh, apex as humanity and now we're just going downhill. Yep. Clearly. We were here and we had the Kool-Aid burst packets. Those were that's the peak of society and it's all <laughs> went downhill from there. Yeah, I mean you can't go any higher than that, so it stands to reason. All right, Lance, what's your penultimate one? Advice you'd give your younger self. Okay. Uh this one's a double, double quote here, which is you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. <laughs> And with that, it's it's kind of been the, the epitome of a lot of the episodes that we've had on here where it's take risks, put yourself out there, even if what you end up doing you don't enjoy. That's one thing off your list that you don't have to worry about ever finding about if you like. You find out what you like and don't like by being a risk taker and putting yourself out there. 
Um, and this, I guess, can tie back into the first one where it's be more confident with yourself. But uh, ultimately, you can be confident, and that's great. But if you're not able to take risks, like if when you graduate high school, go to a college that's not close to yours. Put yourself out there. Go somewhere where you don't know anyone. Take the job that you're unsure about if you're qualified to do. Like there's so much that you can learn between your late teens and your 20s that isn't going to matter in the grand scheme of your life. So just be a risk taker. Like you're going to be working realistically for most of us for the next 35 years after you turn 30. You might as well when you're younger, take those chances and put yourself out there and seek new opportunities. I not only could not agree anymore with what you said, but that actually is pretty much my number five. Oh, I didn't even see that. My so, bad. <laughs> no, people at home who are like, oh, wow, that seems like a pretty obvious segue. Guys, that was just organic. Yeah, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even notice that was number five on your list, to be honest. Well, no, it's great because <laughs> what you said, I think, is like the perfect jumping off point because you and I both came to teaching as a second career. So I think in a lot of ways, we kind of are like the human embodiment of that. Like we thought we wanted to do something in our lives professionally, and we wouldn't have known that that wasn't our path unless we actually did it. I don't think there's any worse regret as I'm learning getting older than being like, I wonder if I should have done that or like, what if, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because you realize that the opportunities to take those chances, they they are kind of like lightning in a bottle. A lot of times they come and go, and the fear of failure, I think we can all agree. Like no one wants to fail. Mm-hmm. Like obviously it sucks. Like doing something that doesn't work out is horrible. But like sometimes that's you actually gain a lot from that. Like learning, like you always say, what what you don't like is probably just as important as figuring out what you do like. And a lot of times they lead to each other. Yeah. So for me, my example of this was I. <clears throat> I don't know if we haven't talked about it much on pod, but so I met my, my wife, we met a weekend. Uh, she came to visit. I was actually roommates with her brother. It's a long story. We'll get into it some other time, but I met her one weekend and she went back to New York where she lived. Like she just visited us and we met her and I met her and we were, you know, befriended. We kind of kept talking afterwards and eventually I took the risk of moving up to New York city to I was basically following her without saying I was following her because I just kind of knew she was the one at the time. But I pursued a career in New York City, didn't know anyone up there outside of her, didn't even really know her if we're being honest. <laughs> Could have fallen flat on my face. Uh, in a lot of ways, it was like the scariest thing I've ever done. But if I didn't do it, like where would my life be now? You know. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think I just had to accept the fact this might not work out. And if it doesn't, that's fine. But at least I tried. You know, at least I did something that to me felt like a huge risk at the time. So long story short, uh, if things don't work out, I think then at least you know something doesn't work for you. And I always tell kids in middle school, like play, play every sport while you can, try every club while you can, because a big part of growing up is like we said, figuring out like the things that don't work for you, that way you know the things that do. Very cool. And how long, uh, y'all have been together for how long? Today is actually the our eight year anniversary of dating. Hey yo. Yeah. Look at that. So how long have you guys been together? Oh, my God. 12 years. Yeah. You got a couple years on us. 12. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be 12 years in February. Mm-hmm. So we're, we've been almost almost married for eight years. So Oh, nice. Yeah. It's been fun. But I, I have this similar – well, not so – I didn't move after her because I wasn't that, you know, crazy. Uh, but I had <laughs> basically sworn off of women before I met my wife saying – there's no one out there. I'm just going to be single forever. I'm going to be a bachelor it up. And then, they're all crazy. We and of course them. she comes stumbling in and I'm like, I'm just kidding. I'm going to marry her. Like yeah. I'm just going to put myself out there for this one. So it worked out. 
risk worth taking. <clears throat> All right, you're going to close it with another great one. Uh, Have to. Quoting the great historian, Mr. Feeney. What is, what's Mr. your Feeney. first name? James? No. Uh, why am I blanking on it? Uh, why am I blanking on it, too? I just watched an episode with him. Oh, my God. Why am I? George. George. Yes, George. Yeah, because he, he says uh, when he's talking about the king, he's like, why is every old person in history named George? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, this one, uh, this one's actually from the finale, which if you've on pod and you've never watched the show before, one, you're missing out. But two, it's probably the greatest one of the greatest finales that's ever been done, too. They do a, an exceptional job with it, which, um, as we've all seen through many different shows, the, uh, the finale of a long running sitcom is a tough cookie to crack. It really is. If you don't full house it up with this horse falling off situation. But God, that was bad. Whatever. Um, but anyway, so the, the episode basically ends with all the kids going back to the classroom and Mr. Feeney's there. And I think Corey asked him, Mr. Feeney, you know, we're moving away. Do you have any more advice for us? And Mr. Feeney says, do good. And they look at him and say, don't you mean do well? And he says, no, do good. And that's always stuck with me. Like when my wife had her baby and I was out of school for four weeks, the only thing I wrote on my board for my kids was do good. That was wow. it. Um, because to me, that just it hits home so much that. There's so much you can do in this world. There's so many jobs and opportunities and things that you can accomplish. But if you're really at the end of the day, you're not bringing anything that's good into the world. What are you really doing with yourselves? And I know that Jeff can, he's in the same sentiment that I am, that that's really what drove us to teaching because we were in the, the corporate world and we were in these soulless desk jobs and we were under fluorescent lights sitting in a cubicle. And that was just like soul sucking. We felt like we had no worth or we weren't providing anything for the world. So then teaching, we saw an opportunity to actually bring some good into it. And I think that if everyone had the mentality of, I'm going to look into doing something that I feel like is going to make the world a better place, how drastically different society could look. That actually reminds me of a similar quote that in the movie Man of Steel, uh, Pa Kent gives to Clark Kent. Once mm -hmm. he realizes that the full scope of Superman's powers, he says, Clark Sooner or later, you're going to have to make a choice about the type of person you want to be, good character or bad, and whatever you choose, that person's going to change the world, which I always thought was a cool quote. That's so pretty cool for a movie that's not very good. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder's like, I got one right, okay? Give me credit. Yeah, then it becomes a CGI fest, and the whole like Earth gets destroyed. But before that, there's actually a nice character moment that sort of echoes what George Feeney said. Yeah. So yeah, that's always resonant, and it, it's even still. Um, and it has in the office too. I struggle watching the finales, man. Yeah, I get tough. so choked up watching them, just knowing that it's all coming to it. And even though I know that I'm gonna start right back over and start season one again, yeah, uh, it's still there's something about it coming to an end. And and even present day, the guy that plays um, George Feeney, William Daniels, he's still alive. He's in his like mid 90s, I think now. But he's still quoting because he's so known for the George Feeney role that he's still giving people advice and things like that. And I think even just a couple of years ago, you can probably find it on YouTube if you wanted to. It's him talking about like what we should do to help teachers or something like that. And I was like, oh, wow. Hell. I was like, hell yeah, George Feeney's got our back. Like, <laughs> that's our dude. Uh, I, I just started, and we can maybe talk about this next week or off pod, but I just started listening to Boy Meets Pod, the mm -hmm. Boy Meets yeah. World podcast. And I haven't got to the episode yet, but he is a guest on one of the 
Okay. So and Daniel I Sh- cannot wait to hear that one. So I know, yeah, Ryder Strong, Daniel Fischel, and Will Friedell are on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, if he's mm-hmm. if Liam Daniel is on that, then definitely need to check that one out. Cause and I, I think they have, like, him. for the most part, they have, like, most of the cast members on. Like, both of, their, of Corey's parents come on at one point. Mm-hmm. They have Jason Marsden, who I don't know where he went, but he was in season one and two, like Eric's best friend. Yeah, I was okay with him leaving the show. He didn't really add that much to it, in my I opinion. Just, yeah, I just love his voice because he's also the voice of Max in a Goofy movie, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies. Yeah. And he's the voice of the cat in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so William Daniels, the guy that plays Feeny, he's the voice of Knight Rider. Wow, he is. And, yeah. So there's he's that. Blades of Glory. Also, <laughs> he's like the Olympic International Olympic Committee judge who like won't let their appeal be heard. Mm-hmm. And Will Friedle, the guy that plays Eric, was in Kim Possible. And he's uh, Batman Beyond. He's Terry McGinnis. Yeah, that's right. We're such losers. Oh we know too much, but <laughs> let's just go ahead and round this one out before we get carried away again. <laughs> Uh, so that was the that was the lesson plan, guys. If you took something from that, hopefully you did. Hopefully these two mid-30s dudes had said something that resonated with you. Um, so we will end the show like we always do with an extra ticket. And this is just something uh, from the wide world that's out there that really resonated with us for the week. It could be an internet deep dive. It could be a TikTok, a YouTube video, a book that we read, something like that. And I think Jeff defer, or referred to his earlier uh, was referring to Deadpool 2. So... Jeff, you have the floor, my friend. Yes. Okay. So I originally was going to talk about one of our favorite uh, reality shows that we like, which is Big Brother uh, on CBS. Big Brother season 24 just ended. But I think this is, since we ran a little long, this is more um, topical with what we just talked about at the top of the show and just absolutely hilarious. So Deadpool 2, which came out, I don't know, what, three or four years ago at this point, like 2018, 2019. Um Virally, it released – I don't think people knew this was a fake plot synopsis at the time, but this is still attached to the film. And if you haven't seen Deadpool 2, this will still be funny to you because this movie sounds like the most absurd thing to ever exist. So this was the fake plot synopsis to Deadpool 2 and is still attached to it if you were to, like, rent it digitally. Quote, after surviving a near-fatal bovine attack, a disfigured cafeteria chef, Wade Wilson, struggles to fulfill his dream of becoming Mayberry's hottest bartender while also learning to cope with his lost sense of taste. Searching to regain his spice for life as well as a flux capacitor, Wade must battle ninjas, the Yakuza, and a pack of sexually aggressive canines as he journeys around the world to discover the importance of family, friendship, and flavor. Finding a new taste for adventure and earning the coveted coffee mug title of world's best lover. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like they wrote it and then Ryan Reynolds kept coming back like, we can add one more sentence, though. I have an idea. Right. Like, I'm just imagining the writers in the writer room just like, this is gold. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're probably like, well, now the movie we have sounds like it sucks. I want to make this film. Right. I'm still waiting for this one to actually be made now. So hopefully the third one as Mayberry's hottest bartender <laughs> while coping with his lost sense of taste. What was it? The sexual canines? Sexually aggressive canines. After surviving a near fatal bovine attack, <laughs> a disfigured cafeteria chef. And then it puts Wade Wilson in quotes. <laughs> it's the most absurd thing ever. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's good stuff. I don't think they did that for the first one, just the second one. Because the first one, like, they don't actually, people don't actually know what this movie is yet. They're like, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to actually 
give them the true origin feel, but now that they've established, oh man, that's good. Yep, I love that. All right, Lance, what's yours? Because based on what you wrote on our show notes, I'm this is something that I'm sure I'll have something to, a lot to say about. You will. I'm excited for it. So, you know, Jeff and I, like we've referenced several times, we are suckers for nostalgia. Um, so not only would we give this advice, to, one piece that from that youth that I, I think was great and fantastic is the TV that we were able to watch. Because when we were younger, MTV1 was still playing music, but 2 they had an, a banging set of their own original content on there that was just outstanding. So uh, I started thinking about some of them randomly the other day, and I want to get, one, do you remember these shows? And two, what were your thoughts on some of these shows? Because there were some ones from, I remember as soon as I got home after school, I would do my, my chores, my errands that I had to do real quick, and then I would turn on the TV, and this would just be a, a, a night-long situation of mtv shows that were just absolutely fantastic to watch so before you dive into this was there like a name for the block they would have like right after school i can't remember if they had like a a, something they called like the three or four shows they would always play i don't remember because i know like so abc had that with boy meets roles and stuff right it was like the friday night lineup yeah the friday night lineup why did they yeah um i don't know if they ever did i think it was just and MTV I remember, like, originals. if shows on this MTV block started to lose popularity, they'd bump them for another reality show, dude. Like, right. it's what have you done for me lately type business. Right. But, like, I think modern day, most people know MTV for, like, the, the teen mom shows and stuff like that. But before that all started, there was some really good, funny, albeit low-quality shows <laughs> that were on. So Yes, but we all need trash TV in our lives to make us feel better. Yes. So... The first one, and this is one that I loved, which is really uncharacteristic for me, but tell me if you remember this one. It was a show called Fear. No, I don't remember this one. Okay, so Fear, the basic gist of it was, it was like a horror, it was the original show, like Ghost Hunters type show. Um, And what they would do, they would get four people, and they would take them to a place that was supposedly haunted, like an old prison or an old hospital or something like that. And they would drop them in a safe room. And then there was like a computer in there and they would sleep during the day. And then when night came, they were given missions. And if they completed the missions, they would make money on them. And then like, but if they couldn't do the mission, they got too scared or whatever, um, they would leave, but they would lose their chance of winning part of the money. So like there was chances where if everyone leaves and you are the only one still there, you win the entire pot for the entire thing. But they would, they would have to do things like go out solo. Like they go out on their own with nothing but a camera attached to their head, go find this room in that room. There's say, for example, an electric chair. You have to sit in the electric chair for 10 minutes by yourself, like stuff like that. Um, Would they like mess with them to increase their levels of fear? Like have like noises they would make and stuff, or was it just the uh, actual place alone was scary enough? to? I think it was just the actual place. I mean, they could have added noises that they didn't ever talk about, but Okay. Uh, yeah, that was the show. And I used to love it, which is weird for me because I'm not a big fan of like horror or being scared or anything like that. But this show was really entertaining. And have I in, never heard of that one? That's in the crazy. title screen, the title, the title track was a song called Voodoo by Godsmack. If you remember that God awful <laughs> band. <laughs> I do, yes. But that song was banging. I <laughs> highly recommend checking that one out after we get off pod because wow. it is a good show. I think the show only lasted like one or two seasons. They said it was too expensive. Um, but what? it was really good. 
Okay. Would the other contestants do things to like try and get the other ones to leave, like lie about things they saw to like scare each other? Or? No, because I think they tried to like band them together because there were some missions that they would have to go out like two at a time or three at a time. But a lot of them ones when they got more intense was like, you're going out solo. That's crazy. But it was I, really good. I think a lot of these are on. I'm going to have to look them up on Paramount Plus now, like the mm. old MTV show. So I'll have to go see if that one's on there. Worth checking out. Now, this one I know you've heard of. Room Raiders. Oh, yeah. Incredible okay. show. Okay. Room Raiders was amazing. Um, but this one, we've had countless conversations about Pit My Ride. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> was it you or someone else that told me, uh, like, the show was basically fake? Like, they wouldn't get to keep the car or something weird happened at the end? What was, what was the... It was actors. <sighs> actors and actresses. The car wasn't theirs. It was all made up for the show. But... <laughs> You want to talk about an amazing show. What hey, was the name of the place? Was it West Coast Customs? West Coast Customs, yeah. yeah. But they would be like, hey, this, guy, this is Jeff, and he likes hot dogs. So we put a hot dog machine in the trunk of his car. Yeah, I remember they would always lose their trunk based on some like passing interest they mentioned they had. It was always great, too, because they would be like, hey, this, this car is from the 1970s, and looks like it's about to fall apart. But we're just going to paint the outside of it. And not do a damn that thing to fine. the engine. <laughs> Don't worry, we took this Model T Ford and put a full grill in the trunk. Should run perfectly. <laughs> we'll know actually that. God, so also, good. Imagine how quick people's like car batteries would die on a lot of those, just based on the things it was expected to power. Yep. I liked the ones, especially though, when they were, the car was like too beat up, and they were like, "I think we're just gonna buy them a new Mustang. Let's just soup up the Mustang." <laughs> I was like, "What? Who gets this?" Yeah. I always wondered, too, like, depending on where some of these guys lived, like, with some of the upgrades they made to their car, the second they park outside at night at their apartment, they're going to come out in their rims and everything have been stolen. Yep. Oh, my God. But that was such a good show. It I was don't know how. They need to bring it back. But um, another one, Viva La Bam. Great one. Fantastic show. Short-lived, but a great one. Yep. It was a spinoff from Jackass about the Margera family. Definitely worth checking out. If you can find them. I don't know if they're still... They might be on the Paramount thing. Yeah. Did hit, did Bam's uncle pass away recently? Uncle Vito? Yeah. Or, you in, know, he got in some hot water, didn't he? In prison. That's what I was going to say. He <clears throat> passed away, but he was in prison. So okay. it's, it's a double-edged sword there. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> I knew it, there was a, he's had a lot of issues, him and his family, since the I think show. it was like child molestation or something like that. So. Oof. Yeah. Ugh. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, a personal favorite for me, Made. Do you remember Made? Yes. I love okay. Made. So for those that are unfamiliar with it at home, Made was basically like, I go on it and I say like, you know what I really want to do? I want to learn to play guitar because I want to be in a band. And what MTV would do is they would set you up with someone that would that knew how to play guitar. They would teach you how to do it. And then you would like perform it in front of people. And like, it was always really awesome watching these people live out their dreams and do something that was so like unfamiliar, uncharacteristic for them. Because it was usually something like over the top, like, yeah. It was the the star linebacker from the varsity squad, and he wants to learn ballet. Mm-hmm. So like they do something like that. It was awesome, and it was it was nice because a lot of times too, you it would be like to varying degrees of success. Like it wasn't like every time the person got good at guitar, you know. So right. it felt it felt more real than a lot of the MTV reality shows. Sometimes the guy would be like, I just want to learn to play this song on acoustic guitar to try to get this girl to go to prom with me. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, that seems like a feasible stretch goal for us. Right. And then uh, the last one, this one kind of ties in with some of the more modern shows that they have nowadays on other channels, but uh, True Life. 
Yeah. So True Life. There would be was some like, like pretty heavy episodes of True Life too, if I remember right. Yeah, they were so it was all it was like a documentary based show, and they would usually have like three people on it, and they would all talk about their different um, perceptions of something. And but like there was one that I remember distinctly was like, I want the perfect body. Yeah. And there was like a there was a guy on it that like I think he was he was in pretty good shape, but he's like my calves won't grow. So like he got like plastic surgery or something during the episode on his calves. But then there was another guy that was like. He was a jockey. So like the perfect body for him was a a smaller, leaner frame because he needed to be able to power a horse, but also small enough that he wasn't dragging it down. And then there was another one where it was like a she was like a a scientist or something, but she wanted to be like a dancer. So like her body or her was all relative. Yeah. So that's why I really liked it, because it wasn't just like a everyone's in this lane. It was very universally unique. I think. I think it was True Life. There was an episode I saw. Like, I didn't know what OCD was mm-hmm. at the time I first watched it. And it followed someone that had obsessive compulsive disorder to the point where it was, like, almost debilitating. Like, when they would lock their door when they left, they had to check the door handle, like, 20 times. Yeah. And when they would floss, they would have to floss in between each tooth, like, 30 times. Mm-hmm. And I just as someone that. who was, like, a teenager, like, you are have no idea what these, you know, issues are that people are struggling with. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty heavy. I remember that there was because there was a person on there that like when they took the bread out of the the lo- the yes. container, if it touched the plastic on the side, they had to throw it away. Yep. Or if they got a paper towel and there was anything on the paper towel in any of the little nooks, they had to throw that away. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if that was the same person or if they followed like multiple people dealing with OCD in that episode. Yeah. The, it's it's worth sh- if that's on Paramount, man. Let me know for sure, because yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah, and it's weird because that one, like, didn't necessarily fit into, like, the motif of all the other reality shows, but it was, like, still somehow just as captivating to me at that age. Right. Same. And it was, it just gave me a different worldview on a lot of things that maybe I'm from a small town. I wasn't exposed to anything, so. I mean, we were actually learning a little bit as kids. Right. So thanks, MTV, for providing us with educational content that wasn't just Jersey Shore and Teen Mom. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it felt like a short-lived window, though. Like, we were in that sweet spot, because not long after, like, that trash stuff. Like, real world was on at the time, but it wasn't, like, as pervasive as their stuff now. Like, that was just, like, one of one show, and now it, that's, like, all they have is stuff like that. Before we send it off, I loved the real world, though. It was so good. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was great before there were, like, 50 other shows trying to be the real world, you know? Yep, 100%. That's, like, a hipster statement, to make, but I feel a st- I stand by it. Perfect. Well, that will conclude our exit ticket. I feel like we really spent a lot of time on mine as compared to yours, but <laughs> hey, we went down the nostalgia lane there. Um, so before we sign out, Jeff, we are so where we live, uh, we do four nine week periods. We're almost done with our first nine weeks. So just crazy. Any, any closing notes or send offs for the people out there, Jeff? I'll just say this is a uh, getting to be a fun time of year because I love the fall. We can have a whole other episode where we talk about like things we like about the fall slash don't like coming <laughs> for you, pumpkin spice. But then we get like all the cool like holidays coming up as well. So and I know as teachers, like sometimes we feel like breaks when we get to like time fun. kids work hard, play hard. It's coming right around the corner. Yeah. Are you guys uh, doing any dressing up for Halloween or anything coming up? So my my wife has to work 
like pretty much every weekend in October. So we started making a joke that I might just go as Han Solo to one of our friends' <laughs> Halloween parties because I'll be there That's, solo. God, you need to be a dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like everyone would be like, really? That's the joke? Okay, congrats. Yeah, you probably think you're so, so funny. Wow, Jeff is just like he was in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Except this time self-aware, so it's somehow worse. I love it. I think it's per- I think it's amazing. So, how about you guys? Do you have a like a couple costume or a family costume with the little one? Oh yeah. So this year we are going as uh, aviators and like from Top Gun. So we all have our green jumpsuits with our aviator glasses and including oh Nori. So <laughs> it's gonna look amazing. That's so awesome. I can't wait to see that. We got her little uh, sunshades in today and tried them okay. on her. It's pretty adorable. I'm not gonna That's- lie. Yeah, you're going to have to send me pics. Um, and then at school, we're actually doing a theme for this the hallway that we're on. We're going to do uh, the mystery gang. So we're all dressing as different characters oh, that's cool. from Scooby-Doo. So Did you draw Freddy or Shaggy? Who'd you get? I got I got Freddy. Steven is going to be Shaggy, which okay. makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> so I will, I'll, I, send you, I'll send you a picture of that one, too. Yeah, where do you even buy a kerchief these days? Uh, well, you know? Luckily, Amazon.com hooks me up with a Prime membership <laughs> for a orange ascot. <laughs> this time of year, yeah, if you get one, they know exactly what you're dressing up as. We knew what you were going for here. <laughs> I can't wait to see that like, you might also be interested in that it's going right. to send you. <laughs> my God, my, my whole feed's going to be completely screwed up now. <laughs> yeah, oh well. The algorithm can take, take a hit. Absolutely. All right, well... We'll close this one out, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that one, us taking a trip down memory lanes and all the things that we've done for our past selves. As always, if you want to check us out, we are on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, anywhere you can check out the podcast. Feel free to email us at teachersbyday at outlook.com. We'll respond back with some ideas or anything like that. And uh, we'll see you guys around next time. Take care. Look out for those bovine attacks also. (laughs) (laughs) For now.